Coming up on today's episode, it is all about the MLB. The trade deadline just uh, passed uh, this Tuesday. Bunch of trades to talk about, a bunch of reactions. Uh, Then my friend Arthur came on uh, and we chatted a little bit about the Mariners season. You know, both big Mariners fans. So not exactly the best year we're having, but kind of talking about what's going right and what's going wrong. So a bunch of baseball coming up right after this. It is now past three o'clock here on the West Coast on August 1st, and that means the trade deadline has now passed uh, in the MLB. Lots of moves went down the last 24 hours, uh, some, you know, maybe not as notable. And then, of course, we got some big ones as well. We'll spend lots of time talking about it over the next week or so, but I just want to spend a few minutes here at the top uh, just kind of doing a little quick reaction to some of the, the bigger moves, some of the more notable moves. And I think we have to start with uh, the biggest move of the day, uh, in my opinion, and that's Justin Verlander reuniting uh, with the Houston Astros uh, coming over from the New York Mets. Of course, Verlander won a Cy Young, won a World Series with the Astros, and then ended up signing you know, a big deal with the New York Mets back when the Mets were just spending money on everybody. But both Verlander and Scherzer, uh, two of the probably best, or at least one of the best uh, pitchers of this generation. Both had big contracts uh, with the Mets and with how uh, they have imploded this year. They decided uh, it was time to move on from both of them. So we saw Scherzer get dealt yesterday uh, going to the Rangers for Luis Angel Acuna, uh, the brother of uh, Ronald Acuna for the Braves. And then that turned the eyes to Verlander. And for a second there, it sounded like he wasn't going to get moved. I think both Verlander and Scherzer liked playing in New York. They both seem to be proud, or at least took pride in, in bringing a championship to the New York Mets. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think reuniting with, with the Astros uh, in an organization he knows well, Verlander ends up waiving his no-trade clause uh, and heads back to Houston. From Houston's perspective, obviously they're still getting uh, a really good pitcher might not be, you know, Cy Young level that he has been the last couple of years, but still a high quality pitcher. You pair him with Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, Hunter Brown, and that's that's a good playoff rotation. And the Astros, despite maybe not being as as strong as they've been in in past years, they're still the Astros, and they are still one of the favorites, uh, if not the favorite. Uh, to win the AL this year. Yes, uh, lots of competition in the AL East. Yes, uh, the Rangers have been leading the AL West for most of the year. But to me, the Astros are still the team to beat. And adding Verlander just helps them with that. You know, they, they've got Altuve back. They have Alvarez coming back. So they're getting healthy and I think are primed to make another run. So it makes sense that they would go out and get their ace and you know, no better ace than your previous ace. So they bring back Verlander. But it did come at a cost. Uh, The Astros sent back their number one prospect, uh, Drew Gilbert, along with outfielder Ryan Clifford. Well, Gilbert, he was the, probably the main attraction, the the number one prospect for the Astros. He was a first round pick uh, just last year uh, and is already in double A for Houston. Now, Houston doesn't have a great farm system in a lot of uh, people's rankings. They're down sometimes even at the bottom. So, yes, getting Gilbert, who's you know probably a, a fringe top 100 prospect, I think is a decent return uh, for who's soon to be a 40-year-old pitcher in Justin Verlander. But it sounds like a lot of scouts are also interested in the second guy they got, Ryan Clifford, who seems who who is your more you know, power hitting outfielder may turn first base or DH. Uh, he's a little bit farther away. He's down at a ball this year, but I think another intriguing prospect. And for the Mets, you know, they add two outfield prospects who probably aren't too far away. And yes, this signified the Mets essentially punting on the season and and waving the white flag. But I think both. 
both those two outfielders and then getting Luis Angel Acuna from the Rangers, that's a pretty decent haul, especially for two starting pitchers you weren't going to have in your long-term future. So just like any trade, you know, if those prospects don't turn out, not a great trade. But I think in the Mets case, they understood that they probably weren't going anywhere this year. So why not kind of clear some space out for this offseason, clear out some, some older starting pitchers, and get some prospects back, which they certainly did. Now, Verlander to the Astros, that was certainly uh, the headline deal of the day. Bunch of other, I think, notable acquisitions and notable trades uh, to talk through. I'm not going to get through all of them. Uh, you know, if you're listening to at this point, you've probably seen all of the trades. Uh, you've seen everything that went down today. So it probably isn't, you know, worthwhile for me to just recount everything that happened. But a few trades stood out and a few trades I think were interesting for a few different reasons. We'll start with the Miami Marlins, who were surprisingly active uh, this, this trade deadline day. Probably the biggest acquisition they got uh, was Jake Berger, a uh, you know, corner infielder uh, from the White Sox. He's your prototypical you know, power hitting, you know, either third baseman or first baseman. He's already up to 25 home runs this year for the White Sox, uh, but he is only batting 214 uh, on base percentage of 279. But if, you're, if you can hit 25 home runs uh, before August 1st, that's not nothing. And another thing that's not nothing is he won't hit free agency till 2029. So the fact the White Sox gave up on him, especially as a rebuilding team, a little surprising. And I think that might speak to what his ultimate value will end up. You know, will he be anything more than a 200 hitter hitting 35 home runs? Maybe not. But I think it's an interesting uh, bet for the Marlins. In return, the White Sox got uh, left-handed pitcher Jake Eater, who's down in Double uh, A. And you know, big, tall, left-handed starting pitchers are kind of few and far between uh, in the MLB. So the White Sox certainly taking a chance on him. And the White Sox, you know, made uh, a bunch of different moves these last couple days. So they're certainly one of the teams that are a clear seller, which you know we we mentioned before uh, the trade deadline. So, you know, makes sense that they might move on from some players and get more prospects back and try to hit on a few of those. Going back to the Marlins for a second, they got Jake Berger, who will play third base for them potentially, or first base, or probably some DH as well. They also got Josh Bell uh, from Cleveland. You know, Cleveland, uh, we'll talk about in a second, uh, got a uh, one of the best uh, first base prospects uh, in all of baseball. They already have Josh Naylor. So Josh Bell, I think, was a little expendable. Uh, so they ship him off to Miami uh, with Cleveland getting Gene Segura, who I think they've already announced uh, they are waving. Uh, and then prospect Khalil Watson, who just a year ago was uh, a first-round pick. So even though he struggled a little bit for Miami, he'll probably be a good uh, change of pace prospect for Cleveland and you know a little bit surprising that Cleveland's selling with how close they are uh, in the division will probably be between them and Minnesota battling it out but I think they they realize that even if they win the division with how competitive uh, the other two divisions are probably a smart move to sell so Josh Bell goes to Miami Miami then in return they have you know, now an influx of, of corner infielders. So they send Garrett Cooper, uh, their incumbent first base, you know, DH over to San Diego for pitcher Ryan Weathers. This is an interesting move because the Padres we thought might sell. You know, we, we thought the Padres or Mets were two of the more interesting teams. The Mets, they pretty clearly sold, not just their pitchers, but a couple other players as well. The Padres sort of did the opposite. And I think that's probably smarter because their team not only is designed for this year, but for years moving forward. You know, this isn't a team that has a rotation led by two 40-year-olds. This is a team led by, you know, prime Juan Soto, prime Fernando Tatis. They have Manny Machado, Xander Bogarts, Hassan Kim. This team is loaded and they just need the right pieces kind of around them and really just overall the team play better. 
but I don't think this was, was the time to to blow it up if I was a Padres uh, front office, and they certainly didn't. So they get Garrett Cooper to try to you know solidify probably a, a bench role, a nice uh, right-handed hitting first baseman, probably to pair with Jake Cronenworth, who's been their first baseman a lot this year. The Marlins get in return Ryan Weathers, who, again, I think a lot of these teams look for these kind of change of pace prospects or players that didn't quite work out, but are not too removed from, you know, having a a pretty good prospect status. So that's Ryan Weathers, who was a first round pick uh, just a few years ago. So Miami taking a bet on him bouncing back. So again, lots of moving pieces for Miami. Uh, Jake Berger's in, Josh Bell is in. Out goes Garrett Cooper. A few other hitters that went on the move. I don't, I don't think there were really too many real impact bats that were on the trade market. You know, we had guys like Mark Canna and Tommy Pham uh, get traded from the Mets, you know, as they were surprisingly one of the bigger sellers this year. We had a lot of talk of the Cardinals potentially moving not one, but multiple of their young hitters. You know, whether that be Brendan Donovan, Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill to guys like Nolan Gorman and probably to a lesser extent, Lars Newpar, Jordan Walker. Only thing the Cardinals did, or at least uh, did on the, the hitting side of things, I was trade Paul DeYoung to the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Probably related to Bo Bichette uh, coming out of the game the night before. Not the biggest acquisition, but just gives them a little bit more depth. You know, Paul DeYoung is certainly not what he used to be a couple years ago, but gives them a little more depth or a little bit more insurance should they need it. Probably two of the more impactful bats, you know, actually uh, not today. Uh, that was the Angels getting Randall Grittrick and CJ Crone uh, from the Rockies. You know, the Angels, they need all the, the hitting depth they can get, especially now that Taylor Ward uh, is probably out for the year after getting hit in the face uh, just the other day. But with Trout still in the IL, with Rendon still hurt and probably always hurt at this point, you know, they need to surround Otani with some just major league quality hitters. And I think that's what Grichik and Krohn are. So that was probably two of the bigger hitters uh, that moved teams. And then probably the biggest hitter that was moved uh, today went to a team that was initially thought to sell, but then ended up going on a win streak and buying. Uh, And that was the Chicago Cubs who, you know, most people were looking at Cody Bellinger, potentially Marcus Stroman moving on. Uh, but again, like I said, Cubs go on this big win streak and they end up being buyers. And they get what I think to be one of the bigger impact bats, and that's Jamer Candelario, who came over from uh, the Nationals. Actually going back to Chicago, played just a little bit uh, in Chicago. His rookie year actually came up with uh, the Cubs back in 2016. But now Candelario, he's bounced around a little bit, uh, but is actually having a pretty decent year with Washington. And, you know, Washington was going to be one of those clear sellers. It just was a matter of, of how far they were going to sell. Uh, so they move on from Candelario, who's a, an upcoming free agent this year. There was some thought, you know, maybe Lane Thomas gets moved from Washington, but he was somebody with a little bit more control. So it would take definitely a lot more. So Candelario gets moved. Uh, to Chicago. Then that brings me to uh, starting pitching uh, and all the starting pitchers that got moved. This was one of the more kind of intense markets, especially the last uh, couple days. As a Mariners fan, we heard lots of rumors on, you know, the Mariners moving on from their surplus, whether that be Brian Wu, Bryce Miller, all the way up to potentially Logan Gilbert and George Kirby. The Mariners end up not trading a starting pitcher. They do uh, move a reliever in Paul Seawald, uh, who I'll get to in a second. But the Mariners stand pat on starting pitching. Eduardo Rodriguez of the Tigers thought he was going to be moved, and he actually was going to be moved uh, to the Dodgers of all teams. Uh, but then he vetoed it with his no-trade clause, which, you know, hey, everybody has their own thoughts and their own opinions on on what's best for them so i'm not going to say why he should or should not have uh, accepted the trade to the dodgers but he stayed put but other than that we had a lot of of starting pitcher movement obviously verlander and scherzer 
are the, the big headliners. But we got Michael Lorenzen moving from the Tigers to the Phillies of all teams. Sounds like the Phillies are going to move to a, a six-man rotation, at least for now. The Orioles, they definitely needed a starting pitcher. They get Jack Flaherty from the Cardinals. It's, you know, it's been a couple days, but the Rangers not only got Max Scherzer, but also Jordan Montgomery from the Cardinals. So the Cardinals move off from a couple of their probably expendable pitchers uh, in both Montgomery and Jack Flaherty. Rich Hill, he gets moved yet again. Uh, Hill seemingly keeps, uh, you know, avoiding retirement. He'll probably pitch till he's 45. Uh, he gets moved uh, to the Padres. A bunch of relievers got moved, which I won't mention as well. Although certainly, you know, guys like Paul Sewald, Andrew Chafin, Jordan Hicks, you know, they're, they're certainly valuable. I just, you know, don't want to hit every single trade that happened. Uh, the, the one last trade that I do want to hit uh, before, you know, wrapping up is probably my favorite type of trade. And I'm not saying, you know, it's my favorite trade at the deadline. I just particularly love what I consider prove-it trades. And they're typically one-for-one. They're typically either very similar players and just essentially saying, hey, we're giving you one player that's similar to ours, but we think yours is better. The other team says vice versa. And teams essentially saying, yes, this is going to work better for us. We're smarter. We're making the right deal. In this case, it's not quite the similar player, but to me, it's still a prove-it deal because it's one team saying, Yes, we like this one starting pitcher. The other team saying, no, we like this prospect. So the trade that, that went down uh, was between the Rays and the Guardians, with the Guardians sending uh, starting pitcher Aaron Savali to the Rays for the best prospect moves, I think, at the deadline. Uh, and that's uh, first base power hitting prospect Kyle Manzardo. Now, like a most you know, kind of prove-it one-for-one swaps, there are certainly positives on both sides. And, you know, I won't get into all of that. The Rays, they get Aaron Savali, who, you know, has been up and down in times, but I think he's definitely pitching well, especially lately uh, this season. And he's controlled through 2025. So rarely do good quality starting pitching and good quality controlled starting pitching get uh, on the trade market. And I'm not saying Aaron Savali fits. I'm not saying he's a top-tier starter. But he's a decent, relatively young, cost-controlled starter who seems like the perfect Ray. It seems to fit exactly what they're looking for. So there are, are positives there. But they had to give up a little bit to get you know, said cost-controlled starter. Uh, and they gave up, like I mentioned, the, the best prospect that was moved this trade deadline. A lot of rankings have him, you know, high 30s into the 40s in, in all of baseball. Manzardo is going to be your, you know, big power hitting first baseman who, you know, isn't going to be, you know, a top tier uh, defensive prospect. But again, you're looking for big power hitting left handed hitters. He's going to be your guy. Struggled a little bit so far this year uh, in AAA. But just absolutely mashed last year uh, through a couple different levels. And he's hurt now. But again, I think by most prospect rankings, uh, the best prospect that was moved. So to me, those are the, the fun trades to look at uh, in years to come to see if, if Savali ends up uh, you know, turning into a, a quality starter for the Rays in the next couple of years or if they regret you know, moving off of Manzardo. I think that's all the trades I want to hit. Uh, you know, briefly, I'll touch on uh, my team, the Seattle Mariners. Mariners move off of their closer, Paul Seawald. Uh, that was actually yesterday uh, afternoon that that trade went down. Lots of, of thought coming into today. You know, are the Mariners going to be sellers? Are they going to buy? You know, will they move off of Ty France, Teoscar Hernandez? They end up doing nothing. Uh, so they just end up going uh, Paul Seawald for... Uh, three players coming back from Arizona. You know, as a Mariners fan, as somebody living in Seattle, we're going to talk about this trade, you know, in the, in the next week or so. So I don't want to spend too much time on it. I think the trade itself, I'm fine with. I'm not, 
I'm not jumping over the moon saying we got an amazing return, but I'm also not devastated. You know, I think losing your closer and losing somebody like Paul Seawald was going to hurt no matter what. He's been a great Mariner. But I think, you know, the tea leaves were kind of there that he was probably the one that was going to be moved, if any. So, you know, that helped stomach it a little bit. And then, you know, whether it's Dominic Canzone coming back, whether it's, you know, utility man Josh Rojas, maybe Ryan Bliss, the prospect they got back, maybe he turns out. But it gives the Mariners some options. So I'm not saying that they got, you know, significantly better, but I also don't think they got significantly worse. So for a team that, that tied for the best record in July, I'm okay with running it back. But again, we'll, we'll talk about it uh, plenty, you know, this next week or two. The Mariners need to do something. So I'm okay with the deadline in a vacuum. But like we'll talk about, the front office at some point has to do something. So, you know, uh, an uneasy trade deadline, I guess, for the Mariners. Some fans hated it. And some fans wanted the Mariners to show either they're going to buy or going to sell, do something. So not a lot of big fans uh, in Seattle uh, with DePoto in the front office. But probably the, the only team that felt worse or their fan base felt worse uh, was the New York Yankees. Uh, and that's the last team I want to hit uh, before wrapping up. Yankees fans will tell you this has been the worst season ever. Yes, they're still in the wild card. Yes, they're over 500. But it's just been a miserable year, whether it's Judge getting hurt, whether it's Anthony Rizzo, Josh Donaldson, and guys like that struggling, whether it's an up-and-down first year for Anthony Volpe, whether it's you know a, a lack of accountability from the front office. It's been a mess for the Yankees. So again, the thought is, the Yankees, do they need to buy? Do they need to you know maybe sell some pieces like a Harrison Bader, uh, an IKF? Well, the Yankees, their big thing, at this trade deadline was reliever Keenan Middleton. So again, not exactly the, the type of deadline that, that Yankees fans were hoping for. And to me, those are almost some of the more interesting conversations is talking about the teams that didn't do anything. You know, we saw the Mets very clearly sell, maybe not hard sell like, like you're rebuilding, but kind of a strategic sell. And when we saw the Angels and Rangers go for it, we saw the Marlins make a bunch of moves. But then we had teams like the Yankees, like the Mariners, pretty much stand pat. Uh, and again, we'll talk about all of that you know, in the coming days. But the teams that don't move and don't make these big changes, whether for better or worse, are sometimes the more interesting conversations. So uh, we're going to hit all of that uh, this weekend going into next week. So stick around for that. Uh, coming up, after the break, uh, my friend Arthur came on, a big Mariners fan, big baseball fan as a whole. Uh, we taped a little bit before the trade deadline of, of what we were expecting uh, and then broke down kind of the Mariners season as a whole. So a bunch of Mariners talk, a bunch of baseball talk uh, coming up next. All right, we are taping this part of the podcast uh, Monday afternoon, one day before the trade deadline. Uh, my good friend Arthur is here. Uh, baseball aficionado, big Mariners fan. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Will. Yeah. Um, looking to talk some baseball, some Mariners, you know. Some trade deadline some stuff. Trade deadline, yeah. Some Otani, of course. You know, yep, yep. Otani coming to Seattle. Uh, yeah. that would that would be uh <laughs> that'd be something that'd be nice yeah i've already i've already uh dedicated like money to go towards otani jerseys right because it becomes you know, we, we could do a julio day. for otani one for one that could be a <laughs> that could be an interesting trip. that would yeah. you know just half just two months of otani though that would you know how much you know how bad like mariners fans would riot if we traded julio for otani but we get otani i mean come on if he signed long term i still don't think i'd like the deal yeah, Otani, he's like got like 40 homers now, or 39 as, as of yep, this record. he's going to 40. He could have 40 by the end of today, but... He's batting, what, 302. He's almost league leader in RBIs as well. Yeah, he, uh, he leads the league in OPS. He leads the league in on-base percentage. He leads the league in home runs by a wide margin. Um, this is the guy. He's probably going to get 20 stolen bases again this year. He's going to be hopefully 60 homers. I mean... So he's going he's gonna to bat 300. And you get 60 homers. 
120 RBIs. No, 140 RBIs. One, yeah, I guess yeah, he's already at 80. <laughs> he's already at 80. His ERA is going to be in the low threes. He's going to lead or lead, be top five in strikeouts per nine. Lead the league in hits per nine. Oh, yeah. He's going to be Cy Young, Silver Slugger, MVP. You know, Angels could easily make a postseason run. They've acquired a couple bats at the deadline now. They've also acquired Lucas Giolito um, from the White Sox. He's going to kind of be in that rotation. I always thought for this year that it would be stupid for the Angels to even consider trading Otani yeah. because this will be the last season that they have both Trout and Otani on the same team. So they just, I mean, if I was the ownership and if I was a fan of the Angels, which I'm not, I actually hate the Angels, but <laughs> if, if I was a fan of the Angels, I would be like, we got to go all out this year. They got to trade for like three, four guys and just make a run. Yeah, because you don't, you don't trade somebody who's that at uh, that level. Somehow the Phillies made the World Series last year. So anyone can make it if you get in. You know, I think the Mariners were, were close if we, you know, we're not talking about that, but, you know, yeah. Jordan Alvarez, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's smart that the Angels aren't going to trade him because of everything you just mentioned. You don't, you don't ever get somebody like that, so you're never going to trade him away. Yeah. I don't care if you're going to get tons of great prospects back. You have to try, and they've tried. And they're, they're better, but I don't know, with the Rangers, Astros, who knows what the Mariners will do. We'll talk about us in a second. Yeah, I think the Angels have a good shot this season. You know, it, it, if the Mariners don't make the playoffs, I'll definitely be rooting for Otani. Yeah. You know, he's definitely my favorite player in the league right now. Oh, yeah. You know, I think he's everybody's yeah. favorite player in the league. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, what he did with the WBC and leading Japan to victory. Oh, that was imagine, awesome. Imagine that in the World Series. Right. I would, mean, it'd be insane. I mean, he's going to be a game one starter. He's also going to be like, I, yeah, he is the guy. He, he's a guy, he, he does the Madison Bumgarner impression and comes out in the seventh inning and just shuts down game seven. Yep. You know. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, let's do, let's talk a little Mariners. Yeah. We're both Mariners fans. We're both uh, living in Seattle. I'll talk about the trade deadline in a sec, you know, at the top of this podcast about what happens. But briefly, what, what do you want them to do? And they've got about 24 hours left. You know, I want the Mariners to change up their entire philosophy <laughs> and start spending some money. Start okay. Trying Let's say realistically, what realistically, <laughs> what you want them to do? Well, I suppose that the trade deadline came out this morning that they're open to trading to selling off their only two good bats, minus Julio and Ty France and the Oscar Hernandez. So I'm hoping they do the opposite there. I think they have to try to add an infield bat. I know that Candelario guy from the Tigers is pretty good. He's not great. But he's much better than Colton Wong. He's much better than yeah. Caballero. He's much better than Gino Suarez. Yeah. I mean, we definitely, essentially, the Mariners lineup, you have about five to six holes of just terrible players in the lineup. Like, you know, you have, if, if, if you break it down by position, you have the outfield's okay. You have Julio and, and Teo. Neither of them are great, but they're both decent league average bats. Yeah, and, and then, at least Julio's turning it around. Yeah, left field is, is just a black hole, especially, especially with Kellen gone now. I mean, I mean, if you go to the infield, like Ty France has been kind of bad this year. He's okay. I think his, I think his WRC plus is like a hundred, so he's like exactly league average. He's supposed to be an yeah, better than that. best player in the lineup kind of guy. Yeah. Um, second base has just been terrible. You know, Colton Wong. You know, it's there's really nothing yeah. to say yeah. about about Colton Wong. And then yeah. you know, shortstop JP has been the big surprise. You know, him. He's probably the best best hitter, best player on the team. Yeah, I mean, he's been our MVP, and I've been saying that for three years. Yeah, finally, <laughs> it finally came I true. Mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, no, he's been he's, for, for, he's shown out. For for those of you who don't know, you know, Will's a a girl from Alicia. I got him a painting of of, of JP Crawford. JP Crawford, that's JP my guy. Player, you know, um. <laughs> yeah, and and I remember what this was 2020, 2021. I was like, we got our, he's our guy, he's our shortstop. And for years, you're like, no, 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 we need Trey Turner. And I'm not saying we don't need Trey Turner and guys like that. But we need Trey Turner. We need Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon. And again, yes, we do need those players, but I'm happy for JP because yeah, he's, he's been, far and away been our best player. He, he's been good. He, I mean, he's always had good at-bats, like good like on base, yeah. drawing walks, pitches per at-bat. But he's, had, he's kind of leaning some power this year. It seems like his swings just looks a lot better, you know. And if they had added a few pieces around him, if Julio was good, this could have been, been a great team. It still can be a great team. That's the great thing about it. Is you have all these holes in the lineup as I, as I continue down the lineup. You know, Cal Raleigh has been just not that great this year. He's been definitely a step back defensively. He's he's been okay. I feel like I don't, you know, there's a couple no. pass balls, some framing. He's not great at, but I mean, 
being a catcher in the big leagues is super hard. Yeah. Probably the hardest position in, on the team. Yeah. Um, but his offensive numbers have just looked pretty bad yeah. um, overall. So you, you have like five or six spots in that lineup where it's just really not happening. And it's really hard for him to score runs if only two guys are performing. And, you know, you, so we have three average bats. We have JP, we have Julio, we have Teo. Those are the three best hitters in the lineup. And, you know, there's a good chance that one, two, or even three of those guys will be in a slump. And then you have nobody in the lineup hitting. And then they lose two to nothing. They lose three to two. They, yeah. you know, they can't. I mean, that's just kind of a thing here um, with the Mariners. So they need a bat. Um, this deadline, probably two or three, to be honest. But the most we can hope for as Mariner fans is that they don't sell away their good players and that they get a decent guy who's better from Colton Wong. And then maybe Julio gets hot, maybe Teo gets hot, maybe Gino gets hot, and they can make a run. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely going to be tough for them to make the playoffs this year. But um, I still like their chances. I still think they're a good team. Their pitching has just been incredible. Mm-hmm. Luis Castillo, he hasn't been as good as I think we all thought he was going to be. We all thought he was going to have a sub-2 ERA. He's going to win the Cy Young. I mean, after seeing him in the playoffs last year, he just looked amazing. Like, we haven't seen anything like that since Felix. Um, so, um, so, But he's been pretty good. His ERA is at 2-8 right now, like a sub-3 ERA. It's like probably top five in the league or something like that. You know, So he's been great. And then Kirby's been really good. He just has those random blow-up starts where – People hit him, you know, if it's the Tigers hit him, and I don't know why the Tigers hit him, but, <laughs> you know. Um, but overall, he's been really good. Gilbert's been really good. Again, same with Kirby. He has those blow-up starts, but he's definitely a better pitcher than his numbers say. I think his ERA is in the high threes, but he's definitely, he, he's one of those guys. He's going to have a sub-three ERA at one, some point in his career. He's going to be an all-star. He's going to be a Cy Young candidate. Um, so you have those three guys, and then we have Bryce Miller, who's looked really good this year. You know, I, I, he kind of reminds me of Gilbert from two years ago, mm-hmm. like just coming up and just looking, having some flashes of greatness and then some, you know, back-to-earth starts where he gets blown yeah. up. Um, but the pitching's been amazing. So if we can get some sort of offensive production, this team could definitely, I mean, you know, I mean, uh, as noted, you know, we both hate the Angels. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. we know that we can at least beat the Angels, right? Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, um, we'll kind of see how it goes. Yeah, and that's why I am still holding out a little bit of hope for this year because of that pitching that you mentioned. If we just get guys like Gino, Ty France, Teo to go on a run, we have the the makings of a good team. So that's why I don't want to I don't want to officially sell. I don't want to necessarily give up on Gilbert unless we get, you know, a Juan Soto, Luis Robert type. <laughs> right. But we can talk about that in a second. <laughs> but I, the pieces are there. It's just like you said the hitting to me, to me, it's the coaching staff. Like, if all your right. hitters are regressing, but I guess when you look at just the hitters, because I think pitching is good. The Mariners' philosophy on pitching is good. Bullpen guys, we can pull out of nowhere. But on the hitting side, do you blame the front office for not bringing guys? Do you blame the coaches or do you blame the players? Like, who diver- deserves the most blame? Well, I think, you know, it's a little bit of everybody, but Sorry. I mean, mainly, you know, as, as a bitter Mariners fan, I, I would blame the front office mostly. Like, you know, Jerry DePoto and, and John Stanton, they've had opportunities to sign impact bats the last three or four off-seasons. There have been some really great players. Like, Corey Seager is, is a mm-hmm. generational talent. And when he had hit the open market and Kyle had just retired, it seemed like the perfect time to bring Corey in, and we didn't really make him an offer. Just, yeah. You know, uh, huge. Because, you know, Corey Seager is not going to be on the open market every season. There's not going to be a guy his caliber. Right. You know, like even last year, if a big name was Carlos Correa, he's not even half the player Corey Seager is, you know. Um, So that was a huge blow when they didn't sign him. And they just really haven't made the the effort to get that bat. They they were very hoping, praying that one of their players, Jared Kalanick, Julio Rodriguez, you know, Dylan Moore, even at one point, they were hoping he was going to become a bat. They want these guys to step up and become, you know, great players. So they can and then pay them league minimum because they don't want to pay anyone. Yeah. You know, they they don't want to pay anyone more than fifteen, twenty million dollars a season. And all of those good players are making thirty, thirty five million. And they're making that money because they're the best players, so they deserve yeah. to make that money. Yeah, their their philosophy seems to be develop players and then like Julio, well deserved contract. But to me, why I lean a little bit more to coaching or philosophy on hitting is 
like Kelnick and Julio weren't just really good prospects. They were like top five in all of baseball. And Julio, he's fine. Like he'll be better than he's been this year. Kelnick, who knows? He's hurt now. Yeah, we'll see what see. happens. But like then we bring in Jesse Winker, who was one of the best left-handed hitting bats when we traded for him. And we cursed him or something because now he's bad. Colton Wong was at least a decent second baseman. Now I don't know what happened. Gino, uh, I guess, had a, a good year last year compared to what we thought he would be. But that's why I'm not giving the front office a pass. But we brought in some decent hitters. Just none of them are performing up to their expectations. I see what you're saying. I mean, for Jesse Winker, he screams just steroid user yeah. the whole way. Like his, his <laughs> time one in, or two good years his, in Cincinnati. His time in Cincinnati. Yeah. And there was a couple guys in the Reds who were like that. You know, Nick Castellanos, you know, mm. Yasiel Puig. Yeah. You know, if they had some guys in that team, come on. You know, because yeah. he comes to Seattle, he's terrible. Yeah. He's just, I mean, yeah, you know, Dave Sims will tell you it's all bad luck, but, you know, in reality, we all know he's not a great player. Yeah. And then, you know, had, had we traded him to Milwaukee this year, and had he gone to Milwaukee and been back how he was in Cincinnati, okay, True. maybe it is our fault. Yeah. But he's still bad. So, it, it, I don't know. Winker is definitely, I mean, again, as a Mariners fan, you see this happen all the time. You great players or, you know, on never to come to Seattle. You know, oh, we could do a whole. Just, yeah. We could do a whole episode yeah. on. You could do a whole episode on that yeah. for sure. I mean, and, you know, Colton Wong. And Colton Wong was never that great of a player, in my humble opinion. I mean, he was very. Well, Adam, he was way better than this. He was very Adam Fraser like. He was. He was the cheap option. They didn't want to sign Trey Turner. Yeah. They didn't want to sign Correa. They, they wanted the cheap option. And, and Colton Wong, like Frazier, only going to have him for a season. You know, yeah. he's a cheap option, that they, and they can hope. Is what the Mariners are hoping is they're hoping that one of our young players who they can pay league minimum for a few seasons and then, you know, through arbitration, they want one of those guys to step up and take the spot. And, if, and, and so, so they'll sign these Colton Wong type guys in the meantime, at, you know, at a lower salary, um, waiting for those guys to step up. And as we wait for them to step up, the team sucks yeah. <laughs> a lot of the time, you know. Um, so I, I would I hope would they would change change their philosophy. They would try to like sign an impact bat. Just one well, I'm asking for him to go and everybody. Don't be the New York Mets, but you know, yeah. like they should be making efforts. But if you look at the uh, the uh, the upcoming off season, there's not really a lot of great bats on the market. Like there's not really anyone. Who's well, yeah. Once you take out Otani, Otani's the only guy. And <laughs> yeah. If we know anything from the Mariners, yeah, you know, there's not a uh 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 not even a one percent chance that we yeah. get in the conversation with Otani. Sadly. You know, um, but yeah, so, so what they're going to have to do this off season, and this is what we could also kind of transition to the deadline, um, what, what they could do is they have to take their surplus pitching and they have to use that to acquire a bat or two. So they'll have to trade away from their pitching to get a bat, which kind of sucks because once you do that, your pitching is no longer great anymore. Right. Yes, your yes, offense is better, but you know, so they, so they, they better be super careful about who they trade for. Because if they trade Logan Gilbert for a Jesse Winker type return, then that's you know that's devastating, yeah. and the team right. will suffer. So you know, uh, so yeah. So what do you think? Uh, what are some potential off-season trades? To me, I wouldn't trade pitching right now. I would wait till the off-season, because yeah, like you mentioned, we have five good pitchers, but if we trade one of them, like if we trade Gilbert, for example suddenly we're lacking a you know a really good number three pitcher we have two rookies who knows how they're going to do towards the end of the year so i don't know if i would be like jumping at the gun to say hey let's trade gilbert for some hitters i would wait to do that in the offseason and or and or if you're going to trade him now or in the offseason you have to get like an actual bat i don't want like gilbert for two like like solid hitters maybe you know, I, you know, we've seen a lot of like Cardinals talk. Winker like, and Suarez. <laughs> yeah, like that level. Now, if we could get like all-star Winker, sure. But yeah, I don't want to risk trading Gilbert and then getting two hitters that don't move the needle. Like I would rather do Gilbert and somebody else for, yeah, Juan Soto, Luis Robert of the White Sox, or Rosa Reina for the Rays. Like one of these big young hitters who I know is going to be good. Because, yeah, whether it's a Mariner's curse, whether it's our philosophy, whatever it is, we can't seem to bring in hitters that do well. So 
I I don't want to I don't want to just trade our from our surplus of pitching, and then just make ourselves in a deeper hole. Well, the idea though is uh, in the off season I mentioned earlier that there's not really a great bat out there, but yeah. there are plenty of good arms. So if they trade away Logan Gilbert or Brian Wu or even George Kirby away, they could go replace George Kirby with uh, Yamamoto from the MPB, or yeah. there's a couple, I don't remember the exact names. I think Giolito's a free agent this yep. year, Hendricks maybe. There's a couple of different guys who are like actually great starters who will probably sign for 100, 150, which is kind of DePoto's range. I was going to say, but you we've know. already done that with Ray. I don't see the Mariners doing that again. Well, I feel like you, you kind of you have to do something. You have to get a bat. Yeah. You know, and the only way you're going to do that is by trading away from your pitching. And they can do that. They can trade Kirby or Gilbert away and then replace him with one of the starters. Yeah. That's going to be, I think, the move that they should do. Obviously, I don't think they will because, as you said, they're probably not going to sign another pitcher to a deal. Yeah. I mean, or, well, know. or, and, well, I know personally we're both fans, but I know on the field, you're not necessarily the biggest fan. We are going to get Marco back next year, probably out for the year. I don't yeah. know. We haven't heard for sure. And again, you haven't been the biggest Marco fan besides meeting him, but I love Marco. What do you mean? He's my he, he's my favorite player. Yeah, he's your guy now. Um, I know a lot of people don't like Marco, but I think he gives sort of what we need sometimes of like just a five starter who we know is going to do decently. So he would come back. Robbie Ray would come back at some point. So those are two like decent starters who at least I would be okay with replacing a Logan Gilbert, a Brian Wu. So that's why I'm I would do that in the off season. But you sound like a Mariners. You have to. You have, to, you have to be a Mets front office guy. You have to think, you know, let's sign <laughs> the think best. right now, do let's it, think, yeah. Let, let's not hope that Marco is decent. Hope that Robbie yeah. Ray comes back on but time. But we have to do let, what we're dealt with. Let's fix the problem and sign one of these impact arms. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, again, you're, you're, you're being more realistic. You're probably what's going to happen. Is they're going to like, you know, I mean, Marco, I've always loved Marco. I don't know. You know, I think he's always <laughs> been... He's always been a solid, not gr- good, not good, not great, but he's been okay. You know, I mean, he's just a super nice guy. He's a clubhouse leader. Yeah. He was there before the rebuild. He's the longest tenured Mariner right now. Um, and I would, I would love, love for him to get another shot at the rotation next year. And he probably will just because of how injuries work and how we're not going to add enough. Yeah. Every offseason goes by and the Mariners never add enough. They hope that they can squeeze out 90 wins from their mediocre team and then they go like, we did enough. And at the end of the year, yeah, you know that's always their, the Mariners' goal is never to win a hundred games. We're not just be good enough. We're not trying to yeah. win the AL West. You know, there's four wild cards, three, four wild card spots now. But you know, we'll, we may never win the AL West again. Like with this uh, front office, they're trying to win 85, 90 games, squeak into the playoffs, and then hope the team gets hot and and and, and carries them. That's that's what they're trying to do, uh, which is sucks because I I wish they would try to win a hundred games. And then if they fell short, they're still at 90. But, you well, know. So I would argue, and to be, I guess, a proponent of DePoto, because I still, I like, if, if we went into the offseason and didn't make the playoffs, I'd still want to keep DePoto. I would be okay with firing service, but that's another conversation we can have. But to, to back up DePoto, I think it's more of an ownership issue. And I think with the restrictions he has, which we don't know exactly what they are, He's done well, given his restrictions, right? Because if ownership is really saying, hey, we can't spend any more money than this, then yeah, he's got to like try to move around the fringes or save money for Julio and, and Kirby and Castillo and guys like that. So to me, yeah, I agree. I don't think we're going to win a World Series with our ownership, but at the same time, we're stuck with it. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what that means as Mariners fans. Well, I mean, as far as Jerry goes, he, he falls in love with certain players. Yeah. You know, like, he, I think he tried to acquire Colton Wong like four years ago when Wong was good. Yeah. And he was a good player back then, and, and the Brewers signed him instead, and we missed out on him. And now four years go by, and DePoto still assumes Wong's the same player he was and acquires him yeah. and goes like, yeah, I get the last lap. I get Wong. And then when Wong comes in, he's terrible. He, he's, we're still, like, I mean, Wong will be in the lineup today. Yeah. You know, he, he will be playing today. And Jose Caballero, who's a young up-and-coming rookie, he's looked pretty good, but hasn't actually had a real chance to play every day, you know, will be on the bench. And the only reason why that's the case is before Jerry's ego. And so Jerry doesn't look bad 
he will acquire these players. And then when these players look bad for two or three months, instead of doing what's best for the team and either getting rid of those players or benching them or cutting them, he will keep them in there hoping that they turn it around so he doesn't look bad. He always puts himself above the team. And that's what I don't like about Jerry. And now that he's president of baseball operations, there is no fire Jerry. Jerry's the guy who fires you. Like, like Jerry could be around in this organization for the next 10 to 15 years. So we best just get used to him at this point. Well, I mean, it would be ownership that would let him go. Yeah, but I, I think the ownership likes Jerry because, as you said, he does a pretty good job of saving money. You know, like he does a good job of, like, doing he, – he's a big yes man to ownership. He doesn't really care about you – know, again, he doesn't really care about putting a winning team in the field. He cares about saving money for the ownership, about doing just enough to get us in the conversation so we can believe. But, like, you know, I, I don't know. Like, uh, I just think that he could be around for the next 10 to 15 years. So we're just going to have to get used to Jerry Depota. Um, you know, we're, we're probably going to be in our 40s when he finally <laughs> gets canned, you know. Um, and as long as Jerry's around, service will probably also be around because Jerry loves service. Yeah, he's the, he's They're buddy-buddy. Buddy. They yeah. used to play together back in the, back in the day. Um, so that's kind of the future. Uh, I feel like we expanded a little much on this topic. Yeah. But, but yeah, we have a lot of feelings here towards Jerry Depota. I, you know, I've never loved Jerry. I... I thought he did a decent job the last couple of years with the team, but I mean, this year and this this last off season was the off season to buy in, and they didn't do it, and now we're falling up short again. And the Angels are looking better. The Rangers came out of nowhere. The Astros are still good. It's tough, you know. You can't play the Oakland days every day because if they could, they'd if be, only we could. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. Um. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes this next this next year. You know. Um. I'm hoping that we don't have to go into another rebuild in a few seasons, you know, because how good Texas and Houston and Los Angeles are. I don't think we will. And I think, again, we'll, we'll see what happens with Otani, but there's a chance the Angels don't have Otani, and that's essentially the Angels. Right. They're mortgaging, not mortgaging their future, but they're trading for now. The Rangers have traded a bunch for Scherzer and others, uh, which we haven't talked about yet. Then the Astros are the Astros. But I think I'm still bullish on the Mariners these next couple of years. But yeah, I agree. They, they need something and they need to bring in somebody. And who knows? Maybe we talked for 20 minutes and <laughs> Jerry will trade for Juan Soto or something right. I mean, tonight. Jerry's listening. Um, yeah. So if, if you're listening, Jerry, you know, please, you know, do something. You know, stand up to ownership. You know, care about us as fans, yeah. about the team, you know. I mean, I mean, the way he treated Kyle Seeger and all the things he's done over the last couple of years, I, you know, Jerry's just, I wouldn't call him a great GM. I wouldn't call him a terrible one either. You know, he, he's good at making trades, but, you know, I wish he was good at signing players too. But I don't, is that a skill you can have? Or is that just uh, like stuff that's, I mean, sure, his like pitch to the players is maybe not the greatest, but that we're not going to know. But like how much is it ownership? And how much is it just Trey Turner, Corey Seager saying, no, I don't want to sign here? Well, a lot of it, we can all go back to, to, to Jerry's greatest failure in his tenure as general manager. And I will say this with, with, with adamant confidence. The greatest failure of Jerry Depota was not signing Shohei Otani when he came over from Japan. Apparently, according to reports of the last like 12 hours, the two teams that, that Shohei was deciding between were the Seattle Mariners and the Los Angeles Angels. And he chooses the Angels. And it's just like everything was leaning towards he was going to come here. It's sad that somehow the Angels made a better pitch than we did. Like, I mean, yeah. that was definitely his biggest failure. Because had we had Shohei Otani the last few seasons, I, it, no. who knows? There's yeah. really, no, really no knowing what could, I, what could have been. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You don't want to speculate, but imagine him on the team last year in the playoff run. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, we can dream. <laughs> I guess speaking of, because uh, you mentioned how he treated Kyle Seager and what it was two years ago now at the deadline, he trades Kendall Graveman. Ooh. The whole clubhouse goes uh, right. kind of crazy. Sounds like that might be a possibility this year. And again, by the time this episode comes out, we'll know. But like if, if we do trade Ty France, if we do trade Paul Seawald, even Hernandez. Yeah, and but he's maybe not as connected just because he gets got here. But yeah, if we trade one of those three, even if we get like a great return and we're like, yeah, that was a great trade, 
there's the concern that, yeah, the clubhouse wouldn't agree with it, which is what happened two years ago. And that's something that you also have to deal with as a front office, which I think he hasn't necessarily always done, right? He loves to trade. He can make great trades, but I think he's also willing to not consider the kind of the team atmosphere and the team mentality. And I'm worried that's going to happen this year because I could see, I could see a, a France and Seawall trade for like a great package. And we as fans might be like, okay, that's a great trade. But the clubhouse will be like, no, those were our leaders. So that would, that would concern me as a fan. I mean, Jerry DePoto cost the Mariners the World Series in 2021. You know, we ended up missing the playoffs. What was it, two games? Like yeah. One, two games? Right down yeah. to the last weekend. And we got, what, this is a classic Jerry DePoto move. I can go back to my point earlier where he wanted to get a young, cheap bat that they didn't have to pay like $30, $40 million a year in Abraham Toro. They were hoping he was going to come in at second base and then, oh, we don't have to sign Corey Seager this offseason because Toro had a hot, a hot August and a hot September. Yeah. That was his hope. So he, so he and ownership were thinking selfish. They didn't care about us making the playoffs that year. He wasn't trying to make the playoffs. He was trying to put the cheapest team on the field. So, and that, that became so clear to the team and to the fans when he traded away Graveman not only just trade Graveman away, but trade him away to the arch rivals while yeah. we were playing. I mean, just, yeah, that was probably, I don't know, there's a lot of fans I don't like DePoto for, but may, maybe, is that more of an Otani? Is that, you know, does that outweigh Otani? Probably not. Well, Otani's probably worse. To but. me, I liked the trade, <laughs> but except for the well, optics okay, of if, it. If you come back two years from now and what the Astros got from Graveman, and mind you, they went to the World Series that year, sure. and, and what the Mariners got from Toro over the last few years, and then we traded Toro. Did we trade him for Wong? Yeah. Is that for yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he was a Thompson so, on the Wong yeah, deal. Yeah. When you when you look at it now, yes, Toro didn't turn out, but trading two months of a, a reliever for somebody who had the possibility at least of becoming a an everyday hitter, not the worst thing in the world for me. But yeah, I agree that that shows the team. It shows the fans. Like that's our strategy. That's so even that's that again. That's what I'm worried about. Is like we'll make good trades this this trade deadline, but it's going to send the wrong message. They're going to trade. They're going to trade away Teo for a four A infielder who's going to be playing second base for us next year. Yeah, you know, and it's and and, and Teo Teo's going to be in the ALCS next year. He's going to be playing the World Series. You know, it's like the year when 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 uh, when Jerry traded away Mike Montgomery for Dan Vogelback. And yeah. Montgomery threw the last pitch of the World Series in 2016 and won it all. And we as fans had to watch our young pitcher do that because Jerry was trying to make a clever trade for a bat. And, you know, at the end of the day, they got to stop trying to make these clever trades for a guy who might be good, like a Daniel Vogelback, uh, Abraham Toro. We should be trading, we should be signing guys who are good. Yeah. And I just don't think they're going to do that, though. So we're just going to. We're going to be watching a Colton Wong 2.0 or an Adam Frazier 3.0 next year. Well, that's, that's why, yeah, because I agree. I, we're not going to see them sign anybody. Like, yeah. that's, that's not going to happen. So that's why, like, DePoto and team should pivot from, like, stop trading for, like, these small deals. Like, like if we trade a reliever for a, maybe a second baseman. Like, no, if you're going to trade and if you're not going to pay anybody, like, trade for, a, like, a legit young hitter. Yeah. Like, if you're going to trade, go, go big. Because, yeah, we're tired of the <laughs> going from Colton Wong to Adam Frazier to the Abraham Toros, like, it, yeah, that level. We, we, we need the Abraham Toros of a world to be gone. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was at the game where it was Toro's first game. It was right after they traded him, and everyone yeah. booed Toro. Yeah. He didn't deserve that. He didn't deserve to get booed by the entire stadium. But then like didn't 40, he 000. hit a home run he, off He did hit a home run, but we that still booed him anyways. Because yeah. we were still... It wasn't off Graveman. It, 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 oh, yeah, it was off. The, Graveman yeah. didn't pitch that yeah. game. I think he hit one off Graveman later in the season. But... Yeah. Um, but <laughs> we, yeah, they just got to stop doing that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I still think they have a chance to make the playoffs this year. I mean, their bullpen... Yeah. If, let's assume they don't trade away any of their good players right now. You know, uh, the rotation's pretty good. Um, the bullpen's been great. I still think they need another arm in the bullpen, like a closer, closer, not just a guy we toss in there and hope. Like, Seawald's been good this year, but I don't know. For me, to me, watch, just watch. He hasn't passed the eye test for me. Just watching him pitch. He hasn't seen lights out. Like, I was watching the Mariners and Twins 
think that was a game when Kalanick broke his foot in the cooler. Oh, yeah. And, and that Johan Duran guy, he was pitching mm-hmm. against him, and he just looked amazing. He's throwing yeah. 104, 105. He's got a, like a curveball at 90 miles an hour. He's got a slider at like 100 miles an hour. Dude looks filthy. He looks insane. And I'm like, damn, we need that guy. Well, we have Munoz. But we had that guy. We had Edwin Diaz and Jerry sure. tried to make a clever trade. They wanted to sell off Robinson Cano's contract. Save money, save money, save money. Um, so, but again, yeah. you're, well, you make that trade to get a legit hitter. And yeah, but it was, Kelnick. again, another, he might be good, right? Kelnick. Well, Kelnick was like the fourth best prospect in baseball. Prospect, he, the prospects aren't, you yeah, know, like look not. at Dustin Ackley, look at Nick Franklin. Yeah, we Let's don't go have down a good the list. Uh, Mike Zanino, I mean, <laughs> you know, prospects are not good players. Not yet, anyway. Yeah. You know, there's very, very few times when they come up and you know they're going to be good and they're good. I mean, Adley Rutschman, yeah. you know, but. He was the first overall pick and probably the best prospect since Bryce Harper. So yeah. the Mariners don't have that guy. You know, we're probably never going to get that guy. You know, I mean, it hasn't been since we yeah. drafted A-Rod. <laughs> True. And that's, yeah, over 20 years ago now. 30 yeah. years ago. 30 years ago <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I guess out of all the negative things we can say, we still have a chance. And who knows in 24 hours, yeah, we might have different feelings. I'm hoping they're positive feelings, but... Yeah, I have a feeling that might be negative. Well, if you ride against the, the, I don't know how familiar you are with the rosters of the other AL West. You know, essentially we're competing for, for the division, which seems like a long shot, but I think Houston's not as good this year. I mean, they're still good enough to make the playoffs. Oh, yeah. With their postseason experience, they'll be in the ALCS again, right? Yeah. You know, <laughs> it, it'll happen. Yeah. But the Rangers are really the team to beat because they've been slumping a little bit. And I mean, they're they have like every fan's dream ownership in front office. Like they will sign every free agent, and then when those guys don't work out, they'll just trade. You know, yeah. they acquire Max Scherzer, they acquire the guy from the Cardinals, Montgomery. Yeah, but then I like I would argue, again, we'll see what the Mariners do. But I'm more I'm biased as a Mariners fan, but <laughs> like I'm more bullish on the Mariners than the Rangers. Despite the Rangers going crazy these last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, the Rangers have, like, Garcia guys really good. Josh like he's Young's good. really good. They yeah. have, I mean, Corey Seager's hurt right now. I don't know how long he's going to be out for, but he's batting 350 this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he always gets hurt, so he that's the problem. Marcus Simeon's solid, obviously. But then, like, we could have signed. Yeah, he was the guy we needed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, like, you look at their pitching, like, even though they get Scherzer, I mean, it's, he's Scherzer. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's not quite the same. Yeah. But still, ERA like, of four this year, definitely yeah. not. As good but a as good acquisition, yeah. I guess. But then you put him. Eovaldi just got hurt. They brought in Montgomery from the Cardinals. He's fine. Some of their other pitchers are fine. John Gray is okay. He's not great. Yeah, though. like I would pick all five of our Martin starters. Brett, not great. Like if you were putting our starters against their starters, oh yeah. Like our five would be near the top. But if you put our lineup, there's their lineup. Sure, <laughs> it's not but, even close. But when it <laughs> when it gets closer to October. Pitching, it matters. But we got to yeah. make it to the playoffs first. That's my yeah. like. You know, <laughs> That's the there's problem. There's so many games where it comes down, bottom of a ninth inning, one out, two out, sky yeah. on third base, Julio's up. It's the moment. And, I mean, again, the first few times this happened, I actually would believe that he was going to do something. Yeah. But by the 10th time, you watch Julio strike out with the bases loaded in the ninth inning and yeah. we lose. You know, I'm going to just turn the TV off when he's coming up because yeah. you know nothing's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's the interesting <laughs> you know? thing because – they don't they have, have that guy here. Julio's so not clutch, at least this year. I mean, maybe next year. Yeah, last you know, year he but, was. But he's so not like, clutch at all, and there's no one else in the lineup who's that great. You know, like yeah. maybe you know Marlo has a good AB and gets on, or or JP. Or, you know, J- telling JP, he's our MVP. You know, but JP is great at work. He he always works a walk. It's a good at bat. It's good for him to work a walk. Yeah. Be like, but Julio's on deck. He wanted you to swing. JP. Yeah, <laughs> Julio's yeah. not gonna do anything. Yeah. That's what happened the other night. When they lost to uh, who, who did who did they just play? Uh, the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks, yeah. That's when they lost to Diamondbacks. Um, yeah, but we're getting better. Yeah, we're getting I mean, better. That was, that was close to a sweep um, against the Diamondbacks. I still like the Rangers better, more than us. First of all, they're like five games better, so they have the advantage. Sure. Yeah. And then I mean, they're pitching. Yeah, it's yeah. not great. The Grom's up for the year, I think. Yeah. I think it's ironic that you know that the Mets had the Degrom Scherzer duo. It was supposed to be the greatest duo ever. Was yeah. that last year? The year before that? Yeah, and they signed him. Now the year Rangers ago. have. Yeah. <laughs> Degrom Scherzer for next yeah, year. Yeah, but that'll be interesting. Yeah, that will be interesting <laughs> next year. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I like the Rangers better than us, but I still think they could, if their offense yeah. slumps or. 
or Scherzer's was bad or if, you know, I mean, we could catch them. I mean, you think the last month and a half, we've been right around them. We've been right around them, but we're still clearly below them. We'll lose to the Tigers. And it's like, especially if, yeah. especially if they trade away Teo, they trade away Ty Fran. I don't yeah. see how they're going to make it happen. I would, I would love, love for them to trade away Teo Oscar Hernandez, trade away Ty France and Seawald, and then miss the playoffs by two games. And, but Jerry's like, but 2024, we're going to do it. <laughs> you know, and, and that, that's, that's a more realistic thing to yeah. happen. Yeah. Because the Rangers, you're right, are slumping, and the Astros, I think the Astros are going to make a move today. I think they're going to acquire. Yeah, somebody. and they're. I mean, and they're getting healthy. Altuve's back, and Alvarez, Alvarez is back. back yeah. Like you said, they're fine. Alvarez they're going to make the ALCS. Yeah, he's a, oh yeah. yeah. He's yeah. <laughs> Probably the best offensive threat outside, outside of Otani yeah. in the in the, uh, yeah. in the American League. Um, but yeah, I, mm. I mean, I don't I love our chances of a division, but it's possible. The wild cards when it gets more interesting is you have the Red mm-hmm. Sox. You you pretty much the entire American League East. You have the Red Sox, yeah. Yankees, Rays, Rays. Orioles, everyone. Yeah. You know, I think we, I've always believed we're, we're better than the Yankees. The Yankees are pretty overrated. Yeah, the Yankees are you just know. as bad as we are this yeah. year. Um, so we can beat the Yankees, but can we beat Boston? Can we beat Toronto? You know, yeah. I, uh, well, this uh, we play Boston series starting today. That's gonna yeah, be a big that's series. Be a good game. Yeah, I got my buddy who's uh who's going to that game. He, he's taking yeah. taking a girl on a date, first date. So I gotta right. wish hopefully him luck. It's, hopefully it's going well. Yeah, it was going well. You know, I think I believe you had your first day at, at a Mariners game. Right? And I was gonna say you as well. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a popular place to yeah, go on a date. Yeah, popular place to go. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, did they win that game? Is my question to you. That's a good question. I believe they did. Okay. So maybe it's good okay. luck. You don't maybe have we the ticket? Ju- you don't have the box? No. <laughs> Probably should. But yeah, no. right. <laughs> uh, before we wrap up, any, any non-Mariners predictions going into the trade deadline? Ooh, okay. Well, any big move? You're, any hot takes you're in these last 24 hours? You know, I, I would love to see a, a Juan Soto get moved. That would be, a, that would be fun. You know, a Soto to the Angels. Lot. <laughs> no, why not if the angels they're gonna go all they in, have soto well trout and otani could that be f- still, missed still missed the playoffs yeah, yeah. Still missed the playoffs. yeah. um yeah i yeah, wish I shohei was gonna be traded my, my, my hot take was shohei was gonna get traded to the d-back to the reds and he was gonna have such a good in the reds that in acuna would get hurt or something right and then he'd win the nl mvp oh yeah then he'd win the al mvp and he'd also, he'd also win both Cy Youngs. And and, yeah, that'd be funny. <laughs> that would have been the, the, the hot take story. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it looks like the playoff picture is starting to shape up. Yeah. And like in, in the uh, National League East, the Braves are like 12 games. Um, so they're pretty much in. Yeah. Right? And then the Central, you got the Reds and the Brewers going for it. So it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I always love that young up-and-coming team every year. Yep. Last year it was Baltimore. Now it's the Reds. And us last year. So the Reds are kind of that. It's really cool to see what they, what they would do. But, uh, have you watched a lot of the highlights from De La Cruz? Oh, he's one of the most uh, electric players in the stole, league. It was in two pitches. He stole second, third, and home play. And it yeah. wasn't just like a bad defensive play or something. He yeah, he just, just yeah. Yeah, between him and Corbin Carroll for the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Like, there's some fun players yeah but yeah, yeah so, so, so the, 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 the playoff, playoff structure, structure it seems to be braves, braves in the east mm-hmm. the dodgers giants d-backs kind of falling off a little bit yeah dodgers, giants, in the west which is how it is every year you know yeah. and then probably i would love to see the reds that would be fun yeah. yeah as a as a mariners fan that would be sad after we've oh yeah because we gotta traded have uh, everything uh, brandon williamson will be pitching game three of the world series um, yeah. and, uh, Jake Fraley will be the ALCS MVP. Noel V. Marte will come up for <laughs> the last month. And... Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, um, so did you want to talk any rule changes at all? Or are we... Oh, we can save that because uh, yeah. I know you have uh, your thoughts. I, I do have some thoughts there. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, that'll be a good debate. But yeah, trade deadline 24 hours away. Um, we'll see what happens. I'm sure you'll come on later this Maris. month. And... Um, you know. Could happen. We can start that in, in November. Right. I was can, hoping maybe Verlander to Seattle. That would be fun. Yeah, we I, could trade Gilbert and then get Verlander. Yeah, so you trade Gilbert for Soda and then, then we acquire Verlander. Yeah, Could've I wouldn't happened. be. I wouldn't be opposed. <laughs> would, we'll see what happens. Would ownership pay Verlander forty million next year? Uh, I can say the answer is probably no. <laughs> yeah, they're probably not. The but you never know; they might surprise us. Yeah, they might surprise us. Uh, yeah, but thanks for having me on, man. It's been, yeah, it, it's been fun. You know. 
been looking to do this for a while. Oh, I keep on getting sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've had some bad luck yeah, this summer, yeah. especially with the All-Star game. Um, set up, you know, I love that you have a basketball sense. You know, you have to set up some more baseball. Well, some baseball's, baseball takes. I know? mean, baseball's getting started this summer, so we'll do more baseball. I think, uh, on an episode I listened to, you said that the month of July is the slow season for sports. And, 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 and yeah. as, as a baseball fan, I was like, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> this is the most exciting True. month of the year. True. Baseball is in the full swing. Uh, basketball True. season's over. NFL hasn't started yet. I can't run nothing to watch. Okay. True. <laughs> I mean, come on, yeah. come on. But I guess uh, you're, uh, you're probably in the minority, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm probably in the minority. But, but. No, I, I think this is when I become a really big baseball fan is in the month of July. Yeah. Because, right, right, okay, now. basketball season's done. Like, I've stopped thinking about that. Now I can get really into baseball. Right. And now we have, yeah, the couple months stretch before the playoffs, so. Yeah, I'm sure you'll come on. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. As the playoffs get started, and we'll talk rule changes, we'll talk a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah, thanks Maybe for coming on. Yeah. yeah, appreciate it, man. Thank you. That will do it for today's episode. Thanks to Arthur for coming on today. Uh, we will be back this weekend. Still talking MLB. Still talking trade deadline. Breaking down some of the moves uh, that have been made. So make sure to follow us and subscribe on. Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and we will see you on Sunday.